Hey everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott, and this is your Right Angle Lightning Round. So without further ado, shall we jump right in? Uh, my notes this week say we're starting with Bill. And, hey. Oh man, this word made me cry almost when I saw it. Homelessness and RV fires have overrun Venice Beach, California, your neck of the woods. And Bill, they're calling it Venezuela. Oh. I saw that too. Perfect. <sighs> You know, Venezuela is something um, is something like um, let's go, Brandon. Right. It's when you can put when you can put an entire catastrophe into one sarcastic word or, or in the case of let's go, Brandon, one phrase. You have achieved a kind of mimetic mastery. We're in a battle of perception. My moving back to America that I shot earlier today is called the perception battlefield. And so when people start calling it Venezuela, uh, then then you've done two things. You basically said that the socialism in Venezuela is such a catastrophe that it is now a metaphor for catastrophe. And that exact same uh, system of governance is now coming to Venice Beach. And Venice Beach is about as blue as it gets. There might be areas of Portland or Seattle that are a little more indigo, but Venice Beach is a pretty blue part of a blue state. And it cannot be lost on these people. And it's not lost on them. And so you get this, so you get this, this constant, it, it, we keep talking about cognitive dissonance, but a better term is really from Orwell, it's doublethink, right? Uh, I know that, that, that we should be a home to the homeless people and that, and that we should not, if they want, hey, if they want to defecate in the streets, who am I to say that that's wrong? I'm certainly not going to oppress them by putting my standards on them. I'll, I'll, you know, so there's that. And at the same time, they're watching their lives go to hell and, and they're stuck in, in this. And this is why you have to be an intellectual in order to believe this stuff, because you have to be just intelligent enough to be able to do the mental gymnastics necessary to believe two opposing things at the same time. Sensible people won't and can't do that. And intelligent people won't and can't do that either. So there you are. There's this group of midwits who are all trying to look and act smarter than they are and better than they are. And so they're all telling each other the same thing and they all on some level believe it. But at the same time, they can all see with their own lying eyes that the world is going to hell because of their policies. And like everything else, they're going to have to make a decision, Steve. Do I, do I want to keep voting for this or do I or, or do I want to sell the house? And some of these many, many, many of these people, the disease is so deep that they'd rather leave than admit that they're wrong. And that, that, no, this is not a good idea. Maybe they can grant themselves the they can grant themselves the uh, absolution of saying, well, I, I thought it would be a good idea. We, we, we meant well, but turns out no. Yeah, you, you reminded me of one of the points, one of the sort of understated points in 1984. The party didn't really care what the proles did out on the streets as long no, as they, they did were complete, their jobs. They, they were absolutely just out there. Drank yep. their victory gin. It was only the party members who were subject to things like double think and room 101 and all the rest. All right, uh, Scott, your turn. Oh, this one made me cry. I actually had to write a column on this last week. Rolling Stones go woke, retire one of their biggest hits from their concert playlist. And yeah, the Rolling Stones, minus the late lamented Charlie Watts, are back on the road. They're not playing Brown Sugar live on stage anymore. It's their second most played song of all time, just after Jumpin' Jack that. Flash. 
Um, and Keith Richards said, I'm trying to figure out with the sisters quite where the beef is. Didn't they understand this was a song about the horrors of slavery? But they're trying <laughs> to bury it. How could Keith Richards put put together such a cogent thought? My God, I'm impressed. Oh, I worry about Keith. He quit drinking this year, last year. And now I'm worried he's just going to drop dead at any moment. Oh, dear. Anyway, uh, Scott, uh, wait, wait, now that woke culture has discovered classic rock, are there going to be any songs left in a month or two? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I've heard that song many, many times. Um, and for the life of me, I can't tell you what it's about. But it's a it's a great rock song, yeah. <laughs> and I I think that uh, I I, a lot of uh, woke modern individuals don't realize how few of us actually knew what the lyrics of any song were saying in the sixties <laughs> and seventies. Um, As a Stevie people, Wonder fan, I, yeah, I empathize. Some people were really into it, but you know, um, I for the most part, I just like if, if it had a backbeat and you can't lose it. Uh, I just enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I th I think it's going to get difficult for anybody's full catalog of art artistic accomplishment over the last 40 or 50 years to be able to withstand the judgment of people who decided that they would now impose the the new revelation of their enlightenment upon the past and you know anytime that you get in the business of judging people back in history because they don't live up to the standards that you now uh, at least propound if not cling to uh, then you're gonna you're gonna wind up destroying a lot of good work you know I can remember many years ago they you know they were doing it to to Mark Twain so uh, and then so many others uh, have fallen by the wayside as well. I'm kind of surprised that the Rolling Stones, you know these sort of rock and roll rebels, although you know they're now with their trust funds and and their real estate and their <laughs> all that other stuff titles are not. It's not like they're ripping up hotels anymore, uh, but they, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they would kowtow to that and that they wouldn't just come out and do that. In fact, in their, if they do a live concert and they come out and do Brown Sugar, it'll be the best song in the set <laughs> because even liberals want to hear that song and, the, and Rolling Stone fans certainly want to hear that. So it's, it's sad. Yes, we'll see more of it. I hope we see more bands who aren't vulnerable to that. I mean, obviously, if you wrote a song years and years ago that had, uh, you know, what at the time was acceptable lingo within your social group, but now you clearly look back and say, you know what, we were kids and we were stupid and, you know, I just really don't want to perform that anymore. That's fine. But don't do it as a result of, of pressure from some outside group who suddenly thinks that they've, they can reinterpret your lyrics. Yeah. Well, Steve, by the way, the yeah. irony is that Mick Jagger many years ago said he wrote the song as an homage to his great aunt's molasses. And and and, and that's the part that's just beyond, you know, <laughs> really an ability for, for people to, you know, really get. Oh, my. Uh, you know, if I had to guess about 50 percent or more of all classic rock and classic R&B is about inappropriate sex, which means it's all got to go. That was my favorite pie chart of all time. It's a pie chart of subjects of Led Zeppelin songs and 50 percent is shaded and it says sex. 48% is shaded and it says uh, Vikings and wizards and stuff. And 2% says citrus. Anyway, there you go. That's uh, your Led Zeppelin pie chart. Uh, Bill. Oh, mm. man, this one, uh, this, this, this one's a little nerve wracking. China tested a fractional orbital bombardment system that uses a hypersonic glide vehicle. Um, 
I haven't felt like this since the early 80s. Just that little nervous itch at the back of my brain. How about you? Again, by happy coincidence, uh, the uh, Moving Back to America show that we record, uh, that I record about a, uh, an hour before we do our right angles uh, is called The um, Perception Battlefield. And I talk specifically about China in that and, that, and, and how uh, China has spent a great deal of an enormous amount of money, an enormous amount of influence to convince Americans that China is the future. Uh, and then I, I'm going to be showing a lot of video of, of Chinese apartment buildings where the where the concrete is just coming out like sand because in order for them to, uh, a Chinese building contractor, in order for him to get a job, he has to underbid it to the point where he simply cannot build it to anything like code. I've got video of, of them laying a concrete foundation. You know what a concrete foundation looks like. It's a big wooden box with rebar and you pour concrete in there. Well, there are people putting empty glass bottles in there to fill up the volume so that they can spend less, use less concrete and still get the, the same effect. And on and on and on. They have fake eggs. They have something called gutter oil, which is recycled sewage and pressed into, into cooking oil. The whole entire country, including their military, is predicated on a look and an impression. It is all stage show. So yes, you can get something to come down from orbit at hypersonic speeds, that is something that happens every time anything, meteors come in at hypersonic speeds, not so hard. Controllability, targeting, acceleration, all of the things that make that into a weapon are, I think, well beyond them. And I think this is a prime example, like their useless aircraft carrier, which is run on fuel oil, it's not nuclear, which means that it has to carry an enormous amount of its internal space for its own fuel to push it through the ocean, can't carry ordnance. The jets that it launches cannot take off with anything more than two thirds of their fuel load because otherwise their landing gear snaps and on and on and on and on and on we go. It's an enormous effort to appear dangerous and to appear threatening and to convince everybody that China is the future, so why worry? And their building standards are, are subpar. Their food standards are worse. Their military standards are appalling. But their virology labs are absolutely <laughs> world class. That was an important reminder from, from just top to bottom. Thank you for I that, will, I will add, Steve, that having been to some of their fine buffet restaurants, the vanilla pudding is delicious. <laughs> in America? Chinese oh, food in America. Are you saying those Chinese aren't legitimate? Food in America. Are you are you about to challenge American, the legitimacy? Chinese food in America is not like Chinese food in China. Mexican food in America is not like Mexican food in Mexico. Italian food it, it's it's like it's like all these great recipes with quality products. I feel like I've just lost my entire childhood. <laughs> All right, uh, Scott, you're up next. Job. Senator Bill Cassidy, a Republican, I forget which state, backs cognitive tests for older lawmakers, presidents, and Supreme Court justices. I need to know, Scott, one good reason, just one good reason why these tests should be limited to older politicians. <laughs> yeah, what an ageist thing to say. Uh, you assume that uh, the only people with cognitive difficulties would be those people who have, uh, you know, withstood the march of time and accrued the wisdom that comes with experience. Uh, I, I think, you know, and maybe I wouldn't have said such a thing, you know, when I didn't have a gray beard. Uh, but at this point, <laughs> you know, I think that um, 
I, I don't think anybody needs to be subjected to a cognitive test. I mean, they, every time they open their mouths, I think we get a good read. I think we know what's going on with most of these politicians. You can evaluate their cognitive abilities pretty clearly by just paying attention even a little bit, by reading a little history, by understanding a little bit about how the Constitution works, and then just pay attention to how your representatives speak. And that should be all the test we need. Uh, but if we do, uh, you know, want to occasionally roll out a Rorschach test or something and, you know, say, what do you see in this ink blot? And if they say, you know, I see my Myself giving rights to the people, uh, then we know they're done. Oh, if only it were that simple to get rid of them, though. Oh, my. Uh, last headline, this one goes to me. ESPN tries to mandate uh, COVID vaccine on their uh, sideline reporter, college football sideline reporter, Allison Williams, and she quit. Uh, a big emotional uh, Instagram video that she put up on Friday should absolutely seek that out and watch it. What's not making the headlines, though, and I've got some personal experience with this, is uh, uh, Williams is trying to have her second baby, and she is 37 years old. And that is what OBGYNs call advanced maternal age. And I know this because my lovely bride was 36 years old when we were trying to get pregnant with our second kid. And let me tell you, the, the difference that uh, the seriousness, the extra seriousness that your doctor takes when uh, you are of advanced maternal age, and by the way, I hate that phrase, but not nearly as much as my wife does. It's it's astounding. Uh, my my firstborn was two days late. Nobody blinked an eye. Uh, they wouldn't even let uh, Melissa risk going one day over her due date with our second child because there is additional risk because of that advanced maternal age, and so they induced on the due date. Um, and she had consulted with her doctor who said that maybe an experimental vaccine is not the best thing to do for a 37-year-old woman trying to get pregnant. Nevertheless, ESPN and Disney refused to accommodate her medical uh, need not to get vaccinated. And that's just the world we're living in right now. So what are you going to do? Well, Hopefully we'll all have the character that she showed. And that's your right angle on that. Brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time.